from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Well, good morning, security gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast. Thank you all for being here this morning. We've got a packed show. It's Halloween. I'm not in a costume. I'm not. I don't believe in costumes. I'll be honest. I think we're, yeah. I'm also not in the mood. Like, that's also a thing. Like, you got to be in the mood for Halloween. I'm not. Obviously, since October 7th, a lot of things are different in my life. Um, And so uh, it's just been one of those. Well, we've got a packed show for all of y'all this morning. We're live on your favorite social media platforms for those tuning in on YouTube and LinkedIn. Good morning, as well as our friends over at Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and Rumble. Good morning to all of y'all, and thank y'all for being here as well. Um, one thing, seeing this amazing espresso travel beverage mug. If you enjoy espresso as much as I do, these things are magnificent. Friday mornings is, is, is one of the only days I get to actually have to travel in the morning with an espresso, and this is my favorite thing. Um, actually gets a lot of questions. People go, are, are you drinking an espresso? And I'm like, absolutely. That's really cool. You can get these just by going to our Substack, signing up and becoming an annual subscriber. Our Substack's jamesazar.substack.com. We've got exclusive content that goes up there. Nothing that you'll find anywhere else but our Substack page. You can go and do that there. So there's that. And now without further ado, join me for our cup of coffee this morning. My double espresso coffee cup. Cheers, y'all. Hit the spot. Let's start off with the SEC deciding to charge SolarWinds and its CISO, Timothy G. Brown, alleging fraud and misleading investors. So this is a one shocker. Number two, is it overreach potentially? Does it have huge implications for many cybersecurity practitioners? Absolutely. And here's what I'm going to go ahead and explain, y'all. This is very, very um, um, simple here. There's a significant um, issue here with these charges. So the stuff they're saying, I don't know that the CISO, Tim Brown, had any sort of control over outside of being the second level governance authority of security. So the attack, for those who don't know, uh, was discovered. It was called Sunburst, discovered in December of 2020. It was a software supply chain attack that involved Russia-linked actors as well as Chinese, that people like to emit China from solar winds because Russia is a better villain. But we now see the true colors of China. And so, and yours truly has never been shy at pointing the finger at the Chinese. So there's that according to the complaint filed by the sec um austin texas-based solar winds and brown are accused of deceiving investors by overstating the company's cybersecurity practices while understanding or failing to disclose known risks sec alleges that solar winds misled investors by disclosing only vague or hypothetical risks while internally acknowledging specific security deficiencies and escalating threats and what do they base it off of a presentation one of the solar winds solar winds engineer created and shared internally that stated that solar winds remote access setup was not very secure and that exploiting the vulnerability could lead to major reputation and financial loss for the company 
Similarly, presentations by Brown himself in 2018 and 2019 indicated concerns about the company's cybersecurity posture. This is a complaint also points to internal communications among SolarWinds employees, including Brown, in 2019 and 2020 that raised questions about the company's ability to protect its critical assets from cyber attacks. In June 2020, Brown expressed concerns that an attacker may use SolarWinds software in larger attacks, noting that our backends are not that resilient. Additionally, a September 2020 internal document shared with Brown and others stated that the volume of security issues being identified over the last month has outstripped the capacity of the engineering team to resolve. Now, if any of you are watching, listening, and going like, yeah, that's 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 us. Yep. Apparently now the SEC can charge you with fraud and misleading investors. Last week, I was in the New York Stock Exchange with a lot of friends from the ISLF, and I gave a talk exactly on, on this very topic and how timely is this coming just a few days later. And in that talk, I talked about the fact that we got to stop talking to the board in vulnerabilities and we got to start talking to the board in revenue. And we've got to really use the language of the board. Are we cutting time? Are we making uh, uh, better decisions? Are we helping the business reach its goals and how does security align with the business goals? What the SEC here is saying is that we should go back to talking about vulnerabilities only, which is a failure. Because vulnerabilities don't dictate this. SolarWinds had a whole bunch of issues that led up to this event, this unfortunate situation that happened. And it's a colossal failure, yes. Is it fraud? Nope. All the evidence I see them alleging here, and I've read the whole complaint, all the stuff they allege, every single one of us has the same exact presentations, same exact messages, same exact issues that we're facing in our organizations. It doesn't mean cybersecurity is broken. It means there's a greater deficiency within organizations to recognize the need for cybersecurity to be on the front line of the business, to work in partnership with the business in order to help achieve resiliency and security across the entire enterprise. And what happened here with SolarWinds is there was a lot of talk around this, but there weren't any actions. And the fact that they're going after the CISO with messages or things that he knew that he didn't represent, I guarantee you two things. I guarantee you I'm willing to put money on this. How about this? If I'm proven wrong, I'll send anyone watching today's show free mug. How about that? All right, here's the deal. I guarantee you, CISO Tim Brown, went to a CIO or whoever who reported to a SolarWinds and said, here's the board presentation. That person looked at him and said, get rid of all of this. They don't need to know all of that. Just talk about these three things. Okay, they got 10 minutes in front of the board. They spoke about those three things that left the room. Guarantee it. Willing to put money on it. Because when CISOs report to other people and they don't report directly to the board, we're censored in the message that we can give to the board. We're guided differently. And right here, this has significant implications on the role of the CISO. This is not Uber. It's not. This is more significant. This is internal communications that they're using to allege this. So this is going to go to court. This is going to be interesting. We're going to be watching this. All of us are going to be watching this. It's significant. 
for so many practitioners, significant. The FTC for their end, because it's it's that I had this story on for yesterday and I missed it um, in the grand scheme of things. So I'm bringing it back today. The FTC has approved the rule giving non-banking financial institutions 30 days to report data breaches. This rule goes into effect in April of next year. It's primarily designed to people who process financial data but are non-banking financial institutions, predominantly payday lenders, car lenders, um, um, and, and and other companies that process financial institutions that are non that are that process like payday loans, motor vehicle dealers, and and mortgage brokers. Uh, that's who this is really intended to. Uh, in the 38-page document, FTC explains the incident response must include the name and contact information of the reporting financial institution, the description of the type of information that were involved in the notification event, if the information is possible to determine, the date and or date range of the notification event, the number of consumers affected, and a general description of the event. They all need to be submitted to the FTC within 30 days of said event. Boeing, on their end, are investigating a recent claim made by the LockBit ransomware gang that large amounts of data were exfiltrated from Boeing's network. Boeing, for their end, have said that they're investigating this. At this time, they're assessing the claim, and they can neither confirm nor deny that this issue happened. So if they did exfiltrate data and did not launch ransomware on Boeing's system, that's one thing. If you recall a few years back, right around the time of, of I think it was 2017 or 18, um, Boeing's factory in South Carolina was also hit with ransomware. And what a lot of times we see these threat actors do is they'll reuse data from previous events in order to try and one, sell this data on the dark market. So they'll say, we've got Boeing data. Someone will be interested in buying it, typically Chinese and Russian and North Koreans. And so they'll sell that data. It's really old data in some cases. So that's why we're not quick uh, to, to, to jump on this bandwagon. The city and county of Dallas have had quite a year this year, quite a year. On May 4th, May the 4th be with you, the city of Dallas experienced a ransomware attack. Now Dallas County, which covers the city of Dallas as well as part of Fort Worth, is saying that they're aware of a cybersecurity incident that is affecting a portion of its environment. They've taken steps to contain the incident and engage an external cybersecurity firm to conduct a comprehensive forensic investigation this is a statement from Dallas County Judge Clay Lewis Jenkins to recorded future news. On Saturday, the player ransomware gang posted the county to its leak site, claiming to have stolen an undisclosed amount of data, which they threatened to leak by this Friday. The group was behind a devastating attack on Oakland, which left the city paralyzed. The Dallas County Judge said the county has brought in outside experts to assess the situation and understand what's happening there. So Dallas can't catch a break. Atalasian is warning of a critical confluence vulnerability threatening data loss. CVE 2023-22518, the vulnerability is rated 9.1 out of a maximum of 10 on the CVSS scoring system. It's been described as an instance of improper authorization vulnerability on the confluence data center and server that could result in significant data loss. All versions of the confluence data center and server are susceptible to the bug. It's been addressed in the following version 7.19.16 or later 8.3.4 or 8.6.1 8.5.3 or later the company emphasized there's no impact to confidentiality as an attacker cannot exfiltrate any instance data from there as well a attackers have stolen 4.4 million dollars in crypto on october 25th using private key and passphrases stored in a stolen LastPass database 
according to crypto fraud researchers who've been looking at this incident. This news comes from Zach's, Zach XBT and MetaMask developer Taylor Monahan, who've been tracking these crypto thefts. They uh, are asking potential LastPass victims multiple questions and typically found one uh, commonality between all of them, which is they were all LastPass customers. So there's that. And when you save this kind of stuff, and here's the pain in the butt, when you put it all there um, and you put it all in one password manager, you've got to kind of redo um, your entire uh, passwords. And that's problematic and it takes a lot of time, but there's no other choice, y'all. There's no other choice. $4.4 million. They're saying the numbers here are much, much greater. Um, according to the report by Brian Krebs, Monahan and other researchers have generated a unique signature that leads to around $35 million of lost crypto due to the LastPass breach. And you can expect those people to take action against LastPass in some way or another in order to be made whole uh, for LastPass's failures there. And a new Bibi Linux malware, Wiper malware, is targeting Israeli organizations in destructive attacks. This is coming from Security Joe's incident response team that discovered the malicious payload while investigating a breach of an Israeli organization's network. Currently, only two security vendor malware scanning engines detect the Bibi Linux as malicious, according to VirusTotal. The malware reveals its true nature by not dropping a ransom note or providing victims with a way to reach out to, it, to the attackers. Even though it fakes file encryption, really what they're doing is they're corrupting and wiping the systems. They're um, doing file corruption by overwriting files with useless data, damaging both the data and the OS. The payload and X64 ELF executable named bblinux.out found on the victim system allows the attackers to choose what folder to encrypt via the command line parameters. If you're wondering why Bibi, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel's nickname is Bibi. Um, so that's uh, there. The wiper sample discovered also features an no obfuscation packing or other protective measures, making the malware analysis much, much easier, meaning it's something they just put up now based on the war going on in Israel, targeting Israeli organizations in order to cause even more economic disruption. So there's that. That's it for our show this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with a whole lot more. The show is live at 9 a.m. Eastern on your favorite uh, social media platforms like YouTube, LinkedIn, Rumble, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, and um, and Rumble. Uh, you can catch us there. But if not, you can always find us on your favorite podcast platform after the fact. Go check out our Substack. Become an annual subscriber. Get one of these awesome espresso mugs. Till then, have a great rest of your day, y'all. And most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.